You're listening to a podcast from St Bart's. To find out more about our church or to take a next step, visit stbarts.com.au. It would be great to keep your Bibles open, uh, starting in Genesis chapter 1, as we continue in our Being Human series. Um, But first, let's pray. Gracious Father, we thank you for your word. We pray that your spirit would be at work in us this day, that we would align our whole lives for your good purposes. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. For better or for worst, one of the very first questions we might ask somebody who we've met for the first time is, so what do you do? How do you feel when you get asked this? Maybe pride because you've achieved so much? Excitement because you're really passionate about the work that you do? Embarrassment because you feel that you're just about to be judged for what you do? Insignificance because your work doesn't really seem that worth worthy of sharing? Or frustration because your work doesn't match up to your dreams. Our relationship with work and who we are is pretty complicated. You can't just neatly divide people into those who live to work and those who work to live. And right now there will be those who escape to work, feel overwhelmed by work, wonder if their work really matters, unsure if it's the right work for them, a longing to be able to work, or are missing the rhythms, relationships, and purposes of work. Work can be a big source of stress, but it is also an important source of meaning. The Bible actually has a lot to say about work. Now, when I say work, I don't only mean something that you're paid to do, though, of course, it'll include that. But work in the Bible is much more expansive. It includes anything that involves caring, serving, nurturing, creating, judging, protecting, proclaiming, and ruling. Work is also not just given to a few people, but is given to everyone and is intrinsically part of being human. So today, we are going to explore this idea that being human includes being purposed for work. Starting at the very beginning, we will see how we are purposed for work, why we find frustration in work, and looking ahead that we are redeemed for work. First, we are purposed for work. We see that right in the beginning in how God created humanity. So starting with Genesis chapter 1, verse 26. Then God said, let us make mankind in our image, in our likeness, so that they may rule over the fish in the sea and the birds in the sky, over the livestock and all the wild animals, and over all the creatures that move along the ground. God created mankind in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. God blessed them and said to them, 
Be fruitful and increase in number. Fill the earth and subdue it. Rule over the fish in the sea and the birds in the sky and over every living creature that moves on the ground. The first thing we see here is that there is an intrinsic connection between being made in God's image and being made for work. Humanity, both men and women, are created in God's image so that we may rule over God's creation. God doesn't have a selection process, but he entrusts all of us in this co-rule over his creation. The big context and background is that everything we do has the capacity to contribute to God's mission in the world. Now, this idea that God would work and that our work matters was pretty radical in the ancient world. Ancient Near East cultures thought that work was far too shameful for gods to do. So they believed that humans were only created to relieve gods from the humiliation of working. Essentially, humans were just basically the gods' footmen. But in Genesis 1, the goodness of work is affirmed for God is the first worker. It is God who creates everything. And this is on repeat in Genesis. God said it was so and it was good. Work is good for God is the first worker. And as image bearers of God, we express God's likeness through rule and care of his creation. The first kind of work given to humanity is ruling and governing the earth. This is not an exploitative type of relationship where we can just do whatever we like. But work is intrinsically patterned after God. It is his creation we are given to reflect his presence and rule in the world. Now, this type of rule is not like a wealthy monarch or a lazy boss who just seems to swan around, not really doing anything. But we see in Genesis 2 that work involves care, nurturing and protecting. So in Genesis chapter 2, verse 15 says... The Lord God took the man and put him in the Garden of Eden to work it and take care of it. It turns out that the Garden of Eden wasn't a magical garden or a luxury resort, but a place that needed attention and effort. Here, the word work can also have that sense of cultivating, nurturing and serving and taking care can also infer guarding, protecting, or watching over. Adam is not like a park ranger, just letting God's creation roam wild, only focusing on weed and fire control. But it's more like a gardener at Queen's Park, who shapes, nurtures, prunes, and protects the garden. Being a gardener means paying attention throughout every season for the welfare and the flourishing of the garden. It is knowing when to fertilize, when to prune, when to remove a plant, or when to dig up and plant new seeds. 
just a few weeks ago when we had a burst of warm weather, I walked past the gardens at Queen's Park, and there the gardeners were huddled over a garden bed, meticulously snapping off the heads of the flowers that had bloomed too early. But this doesn't mean that the only work that matters to God is gardening or farming. But God has placed us in contexts where we shape, nurture, plan and design. We are in places where we apply our creativity, work hard through changing seasons, where we protect, act for the weak, promote health and guard what God has made. We are expressing God's rule in God's creation. As human beings, we are purposed for work. But because sin has entered the world, we also find frustration in work. Just over the past couple of weeks, I've had conversations with people whose work is just filled with frustration. Someone shared that after eight years, only now their plans are finally being listened to. Another, how most of her team has been moved to another department, leaving her with an unbearable workload. Another, who their colleague is poisoning every interaction. Or someone else who feels that their long hours are just not making a difference. Each of these stories has a backstory. And the backstory is the entrance of sin and death into the world. Human rebellion against God's good rule, against which was good like work, is now tainted by the effects of sin. We see this in Genesis 3. Immediately after the forbidden fruit is taken and eaten, God declares the consequences. So from Genesis chapter 3, verse 17. To Adam, he said, Because you listened to your wife and ate fruit from the tree about which I commanded you, you must not eat from it. Cursed is the ground because of you. Through painful toil, you will eat food from it all the days of your life. It will produce thorns and thistles for you, and you will eat the plants of the field. By the sweat of your brow, you will eat your food until you return to the ground, since from it you were taken. For dust you are, and to dust you will return. Now, sometimes we do encounter real evil in work. It might be people who, people's whose actions are evil or in systems and structures that hide or promote evil. But more ordinarily, though, as we'll see, the author of Genesis spells out three main effects of sin on our work. Frustration with the physical world, frustration with one another, and with God. So first, our work is frustrated with the physical world. Where there had been a lush garden, now there are thorns and thistles. Work is hard, painful, and difficult. But even though sin entered the world, God's purposes for work didn't stop. It's kind of extraordinary that God continues to entrust us with work when we had a pretty terrible start. Just think 
about what some of the frustration with creation looks like. Frustration in the day-to-day ongoing effort, the never-ending tasks that just never seem complete. Adam worked the ground, but weeds sprung up. Frustrations in the barriers we come up against. Politics, which confuses your work. Budgets, which restrict your work. Change, which redirects your work. Disasters, which destroy your work. Frustration in some of the things that just feel fruitless, where it doesn't matter how impressive the plan is, how talented we are, how much effort we pour in, we never quite get to that perfect imagined result. There's always some compromise. Complete satisfaction in work remains elusive, just out of reach, or sometimes a long way out of reach. Second, our work is frustrated by the people we work with. Because of sin, we're not just frustrated by the people we're paid to work with, but those we serve or interact with. Before sin, Adam and Eve enjoyed a relationship marked by peace, delight, co-laboring, unity and love. But sin distorted this relationship. Instead of co-ruling, they sought to rule, dominate and control one another. And we see this frequently play out in our workplaces. The personal ambition that tramples over one another, the gossiping that blames others, those small put-downs that reinforce power, misunderstandings that escalate, or friction between personalities. Maybe you've had the thought, if only there were no people, my work would be so much easier. And third, our work is frustrated when we displace God. Work no longer becomes a way that we express God's image in the world for his purposes, but is how we take control of our lives and become our own God and our own master. When we let our work define us, it will control us. It looks like allowing your contentment to rise and fall with your progress, for your value is on achievement. It looks like never stopping or ceasing, for your pride is in being the best. It looks like never starting or trying, for your fear of failure is too great. It looks like constant comparison, for your worth is defined by others. Or it looks like always searching for a bigger salary, for your security is on what you earn. Because of sin, we experience the frustrations with work in the world, with each other, and as we detach ourselves from God. Our sin clings to every aspect of our humanity, including our work. Yet, as Jesus came to us as a human, defeating our sin and redeeming our lives. He not only redeems our work, but we find the ultimate source of satisfaction in him. We were made for work. Sin has frustrated our work. Jesus redeems us, but he also enjoins our work to his As we put our trust in Jesus, he also invites us to reorientate all of our work to him. 
And this is the message of Colossians chapter 3, verse 17. So you might want to flip there. And whatever you do, whether in word or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. Whatever you do, whatever you do, whatever you'll be doing at 9am tomorrow, whatever you'll be doing at 2pm on Wednesday, whatever you'll be doing in 5, 10, 23 years from now, whether in word or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. Jesus doesn't restrict what kind of work is for him and what is not, but all that you do can be orientated in gratitude to him. Of course, that sounds easier in theory than in practice, but I think that's because we often forget who we are really working for. Whatever, wherever you're going or whatever you're doing, we really only have one boss who we are ultimately reporting to for all eternity. Colossians 3 continues from verse 23. Whatever you do, work at it with all your heart as working for the Lord, not for human masters, since you know that you will receive an inheritance from the Lord as a reward. It is the Lord Christ you are serving. Ultimately, we work for the Lord. All your unseen effort, Jesus sees it. Any type of work you do in the office or at home, Jesus values it. However significant or insignificant you may think it is, Jesus gives it, gives it meaning. The Lord Jesus is who we serve in our work. I often meet people who don't get to control the type of work they do. But we can always shape how we do it. The London Institute of Contemporary Christianity gives us one way to think about our work through the six M's. They are modelling godly character, making good work, moulding culture, ministering grace and love, being a mouthpiece for truth and justice, and being a messenger of the gospel. If your work is packed with pressure, you can model godly character. If your work can have corners cut, you can make good work. If your work has people, you can mould culture. If your work has people who are stressed or face challenges, then you can minister grace and love. If your work has responsibilities for others, you can be a mouthpiece for truth and justice. And if your work has space to share about Jesus, you can be a messenger of the gospel. With Jesus as our boss, we don't simply labour for money or meaning or only working towards retirement. But the future of our lives is secure. We can even entrust our frustrations to God's care and can look forward to the day when even our frustrations will be resolved. 
Revelation 21. Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the first heaven and first earth had passed away, and there was no longer any sea. I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride beautifully dressed for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Look, God's dwelling place is now among the people, and he will dwell with them. They will be his people, and God himself will be with them and be their God. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death or mourning or crying or pain, for the old order of things has passed away. He who was seated on the throne said, I am making everything new. And then he said, write this down, for these words are trustworthy and true. In Jesus, the future of our lives is not wafting around or endlessly playing a harp but is a new creation where everything is made new. We don't get a picture of exactly what our lives in new creation will look like, but we know that we will be worshipping alongside people from every culture and that our worship will include work. God will continue to share his rule with us, but in ways that are freed from sin and from evil. I don't know what that will look like. Possibly doctors and ministers might need to find new jobs. Farming might be a bit easier. But we will all still have a working role to play. And whatever we do now, in whatever way we do it, points to that future which awaits. Let's pray. Dear Gracious Father, we thank you that you entrust us all with work as we're made in your image. Lord, we bring some of our frustrations that we're experiencing right now to you. By the power of your spirit, please help us to see, especially when we can't, the way that we share in your work in the world in the day-to-day, moment-by-moment. Please help us to keep our eyes on Jesus and delight in our role to play in your world. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. This has been a podcast from St Bart's. To learn more or to take a next step, visit stbarts.com.au.